welcome to another episode of We Go Check with the IDM. I am your host, Michael Mallon, and today is a very special episode as I have two guests, and I am joined by Stacy King and Andrew Wheeler. They are involved in the Dungeons and Dragons Young Adventurers Guides. They've been creating those over the last year or so, or probably longer for them, but we've only had them for the last uh, few months. And the most recent book that came out, which I was given an advanced copy of, thank you, uh, 10Speed Press, was Wizards and Spells. So we're certainly going to be talking about that. Stacey and Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Thank you. So I guess my initial question, and maybe this is a very broad question, but I'm curious... How did you both get involved in this endeavor? Because from talking with Jim last year, it sounds like this was an idea. Then it sort of took on a life of its own, got bigger and bigger. And, you know, when, when did you come into play with this process? Okay. Because uh, I kind of was the first one involved. And then I reached out to bring Andrew on board when we realized the full scope of the project. Uh, but basically, um, Jim and I are married. <laughs> And so uh, I get to, and we also uh, all play uh, Jim DMs, a game for us uh, called the Danger Dice Gang that we do a podcast for. Um, so obviously we've all been hanging out and nerding out quite heavily uh, in the past. And when 10 Speed first approached Jim about doing these young adventures guides, he was kind of like, that sounds amazing, but I have so much comic book work right now yeah. between creator-owned projects he was doing and stuff for Marvel and uh, IDW and all of those kinds of things. He was like, I just don't have the bandwidth to write four full books over the course of the next year, which is what uh, 10 Speed Press was hoping we would be able to do. And he was kind of like, ah, oh, it's a real shame that this project is not going to happen because they're so, they really wanted to have Jim on board. They really loved his enthusiasm, his approach to the idea and his approach to, to D&D in general. Uh, and I kind of pitched him with a, well, maybe I could ghostwrite part of it for you and then you could give it a polish and do some of the key sections and make it work that way. And he was like, or we could just pitch a co-writing scenario uh, to tennis people. Okay. which is what we wound up doing. Awesome. And Andrew, how did you become involved? Yeah, so Jim and I are not married, so that <laughs> wasn't part of it. It's not, um, it's not breaking any news about a thruple or anything. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but no, as, as Stacey says, I'm, I'm part of the, the D&D group, the Danger Dice Gang that, that Jim runs. And in fact, it's, it's through Jim that I came to, to be a, a Dungeons & Dragons player, really. I'm the, I'm the newest inductee of the of the three writers into this world, um, but Jim and I had written together on a on a comic book series uh, prior to this. Um, no, no, it was a, a Canadian superhero book called uh, Freelance okay. uh, by a small Canadian publisher called Chapter House. Um, so, having collaborated in the past, I think he he knew that he could trust me to you know get the get the work out there and deliver on time and all of those good things so um so yeah it's you know friendship and running D together and having collaborated in the past i think made made it a comfortable fit wonderful and one of the things that i've really loved about these books i've kind of gushed about them on social media and, and talk interviewing jim last year I've, I've shared some of my thoughts with him about the the vibe, the approach, the style of these books, which is certainly geared towards young adults. And as an adult in my 40s, I very much felt inspired by reading them. It was just kind of got my creative juices flowing, uh, really simplified a lot of what 
sometimes gets lost, I think, playing D&D. You get kind of lost in the mechanics and rules of it. And this takes away all of that and just talks about really the story aspect and the imaginative side of it. It seems like that was very purposeful on on your part as a team. How did that evolve over time in the sort of mission statement for these books? Obviously, if you talk to Jim about D&D, you know how important it is to him as a writer and that he really feels like he owes his whole creative career to the lessons he learned about story and character and plot and just generally how much fun it is to create an amazing world with your friends and then share it with other people. You know, all of that comes out of Dungeons and Dragons. And, um, you know, that talking about that kind of thing, the, the story aspect, the creative aspect, when he was talking to that, to Wizards of the Coast about that kind of thing, that was really where they were like, that's, that's what we want these books to be. We want them to be something that's about the adventure and the story and the imaginative process that goes into it. People can learn rules later on. Um, you know, there's very few people start playing D&D without at least one experienced player at the table to kind of guide them and shepherd them through it. And so we wanted something that said, think about your story, think about your character, think about the kind of adventures you want to go on and the heroics you want to uh, engage in and use that as the basis for it. And then we'll help you understand the rules later on once you're already hooked and like, you know, knee deep in I love this stuff. Um, Because that's really where you get those lifelong players from, is people who have an opportunity to really get into it in a way that speaks to them as an individual, right? Like the the unique story that they have inside of themselves and the unique ideas for characters and approaching the world. Uh, And to kind of make these books be a little bit of a, a window into unlocking that. Excellent. Diving right into the Wizards and Spells book, it seems like some of the legendary characters are creations for for that book. And how did those come about? Yeah, so with um, with one of the earlier books, the uh, the Warriors and Weapons book, we'd we'd had a chance to create a couple of of legendaries, but there were there were more established characters that uh, that could be used for that, for those uh, for that book especially coming from Jim's own uh, comic writing stuff. But this was an opportunity actually where there were, there were fewer characters for us to call upon for some of the classes. And so we had a chance to create something really new and exciting that was sort of tailored to hooking the interest of, of young readers, young players um, and, and giving them sort of, it's a case of giving them story ideas and giving them heroes where they can think of something brilliant and wonderful and inspiring to do and, and around those characters and those classes. So um, I think for Stacey and I, that was one of the most exciting parts of this this book was the idea of getting to create these new legendaries. Um, there's a bard and a cleric and a druid and uh, the, these characters uh, are really just a sort of a wonderful new way to to explore these classes, but also make it very personal and make it feel very real and 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 uh, create that hero that you can imagine the stories for and then maybe play as. The first book, the Warriors and Weapons, that had the and for for those not familiar with the book, the legendary characters we're talking about. So each uh, the Warriors and Weapons, Wizards and Spells, it goes through. 
different classes of characters. Uh, so, for example, yeah. Wizards and Spells, you have the Bard, the Cleric, the Druid, Sorcerer, Warlock, and Wizard. And for each one of those classes, there is an example of a legendary character from that class. And some of them, like Morden Caden, you know, that's a character that's been around for a very long time. Yes. <laughs> um, and what your team got to do, which is really exciting, is add to that mix of here's this new character, here's the backstory, here's the flavor, and also here's the art, which definitely want to talk about the art later too, because the art's amazing. So what is it like to conjure that up? How do you start? Uh, Andrew, you were talking about this a little bit, so maybe you can continue with that idea of for one of the characters in Wizards and Spells, like what was the genesis of the idea? Yeah, it, I mean, it starts with trying to make something unique and something that sort of carves out a space in the universe, I think, of all the worlds of Dungeons & Dragons. We wanted to make these characters represent the diversity of of both our world and the Dungeons & Dragons worlds. Um, we wanted to make characters that were that spoke very specifically to the classes but also was were maybe not the most obvious version of that character and there's a lot of pressure you know when you're talking about characters that are described as legendary um you really want to make sure you get it right you really want to make sure that you're creating something that fans feels are so like forgiving it. come on oh yes no they'll, they'll be fine with it but nonetheless we can, we can judge ourselves um uh, yeah I, we wanted to make characters that lived up to that title i think and so the, the created ones that, that you came up with for this book are, there's three of them or more? Uh, there's more if I think. Like there's four total. No, five. Five, okay. Yeah, Mordenkainen is the only um, pre-existing legendary. The rest of them are ones that we actually came up with. So. And I'm wondering if, and maybe this is a spoiler of some sort, but well, like these characters appear elsewhere in published D&D lore at some point in some time. Uh, Maybe. <laughs> as far as I know, there are not specific plans for that, but one of the co-authors on the book is also writing the official D&D comic, so I feel like there's some pretty good opportunities there. Sure. Uh, <laughs> Which would be cool. That would be very, that would be great. Yeah, I mean, it was it was really, uh, as Andrew said, it's really exciting, but also very intimidating okay. to think of yourself as creating something that's going to be part of official canon or official lore for Dungeons and Dragons, considering how amazing everything else that exists uh, for the game is. You're kind of like, oh, I have to live up to this? Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, but, you know, once once you get in there and you're, you're doing the work of trying to build the character and give them um, a compelling personality and some interesting background and uh, finding ways, as Andrew said, to both reflect the core of the class, but also present, in some cases, options for things people may not have thought of uh, that you could do with those character classes as well. Um, once you actually start doing the work, you kind of get lost in it, and the intimidation mostly burns off. <laughs> <laughs> and so the, just the page I'm open to now, and it also ties into something else I wanted to ask about, uh, the legendary warlock, and maybe I'm not pronouncing this right, it's Zanzari Clockguard. Uh, however you want to pronounce it, I mean, it is a gnomish name, so humans are obviously going to mangle it slightly, and gnomes tend to be pretty uh, forgiving, you know, considering our limitations as humans. <laughs> so, and the reason I bring up warlock is funny. Uh, my son, who's a little under this suggested reading range, he's three, 
but we were going through it. He really likes the art, and I was reading him the questions. Uh, so for each of the classes, uh, for example, it starts with Bard. B, uh, it has these questions of, do you believe there is magic in music? Do you often find yourself the center of attention? Do you love to perform? You might be a Bard. So he's sitting mm-hmm. here reading this with me, and I'm asking him these questions, and he's like, yes. No. And we're going back and forth through all the classes, which was adorable. And then I got to Warlock and I'm like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. So do you like and I'm just making up words and stuff. Um, (laughs) So how did you how did you present Warlock in here? How much of a challenge was that to find some language that fit in with like a younger, uh, young adult audience? Uh, Well, most of the. Warlock stuff is my writing, and uh, but I definitely had to brainstorm quite a lot with both Andrew and Jim to try and figure out the right approach. Um, I love Warlock as a class, but they're renowned for being just a teeny bit evil. Uh, <laughs> they do some things that's frowned upon. Occasionally, Occasionally, and you know, no one wants to take responsibility for being the person who says, hey kids, let's make a pact with a demon. Um <laughs> <laughs> you know, we don't, we got over the satanic panic. We don't really want to bring that back into Dungeons and Dragons and the public perception. So we definitely, like throughout the book, we definitely avoid talking about, you know, using the D word, talking about uh, demons and angels and going in anything that's a little too religious, uh, which was also really difficult, I think, with the cleric. And that would be something that Andrew could talk to. Okay. But yeah, and that, so that's why when we did when we came up with the, the legendary uh, clock guard, uh, her patron is Tiamat, which is also a dragon we profiled in Monsters and Creatures, so there's a nice tie-in. Perfect. Hopefully if kids have read the whole series, they'll have, you know, they'll already be familiar with Tiamat or be able to cross-reference to understand what it was, but we wanted to go with a dragon. We mentioned kind of um, fae or... Um, Eldritch powers, maybe? I, I don't remember the exact wording, but we definitely steer clear of discussion of things like celestials and demons because that felt like it was getting into areas that were going to be a little bit beyond what we wanted to bring forward for that age group. Um, that's really something your parents should be the ones to talk to you about celestials and demons. Yes. As, <laughs> as we're paging through the book when you're three, you can, you can make up your own language and sure. <laughs> Start them young. And so, Andrew, with the cleric, how did you uh, cross that bridge as you were designing that section? I mean, that's uh, that one's a little easier, I think, just because the concept of sort of many gods and gods as representations of different uh, ideas is fairly widespread. You know, as a kid, I grew up both in a Catholic family and also reading books about Greek gods, and there was no, like disconnect or problem there my parents you know gave me those books um so i think you can talk to kids about talk to kids about god um you can talk to kids about many gods and the way they work in a dnd uh setting um without like triggering anything more easily and also the other thing with a cleric is that you can emphasize a lot on the sort of the the life and death magic aspects of it you know the the fact that they are Enemies of, of uh, the undead is a is a nice little angle, channeling uh, the sort of divine power without going into the specifics of what kind of a god they're serving. You know that that stuff is pretty good, strong adventure fiction stuff. I think. 
Yeah, and it's interesting thinking about it with like warlock and cleric. It's both like you know, are you willing to serve a higher power? Which it's a little bit of a mirror image of of each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I don't think I've ever really put together until now. So. I, yeah, I, and you know, we we wanted to be able to show that although warlocks are driven by a desire for power, they can be striving to do good things with that power. Uh, and we. The one that we, the, the obverse side that we didn't get into was that sometimes clerics can be in service to a death god or a war god or something like that. Again, we, you know, looked at that sort of thing and we're like, that might be a little beyond this, what's going to be of interest and comfort to this age group that we're writing for. And it also ties into the, for folks that have the book, it's on 2829 uh, page of this class flowchart, which has appeared in the earlier uh, Warriors and Weapons, and something I just love. I just hope this is in future players' handbooks because I think it's kind of genius. So where did the flowchart come from? Like, How did that get tossed into the mix when these books were being designed and developed? Uh, that was something that uh, Jim saw as wanting to include, I think, right from the start. Okay. Um, he loved the idea of being able to give people a structure and give you a way to differentiate among the classes as well. And particularly, I think, with the melee class, it's a little bit easier to tell them apart. Sometimes people get um, the the spellcasting classes, particularly like warlock, wizard, sorcerer, can start to get a little bit muddled in terms of drawing clear distinctions. And the flowchart really kind of helps with that because it is pointing out core things that are different about all of the classes and helping guide you to the one that's going to fit best with what your idea for the character you want to play is. Maybe I'll just start with you on this with uh, the contents of this book, Wizards and Spells, since this is the last, the most recent one that's coming out. It's kind of organized in these sections of the character classes, which we've been talking about, different types of magic, uh, which has examples of different spells. And then the end is uh, magical items. And, I'm just trying to think of the task your team had of organizing magic and spells for a young adventurer's guide. And it all seems very clean right now in the book. It makes perfect sense. I would guess it took a while to get there to figure out what belongs and what doesn't. So if you'd be kind enough to share a little bit about that process of paring it down to get it to where it is now. Uh, That was definitely a lot of trial and error. Okay. Uh, and writing things and sharing them with the rest of the team and being like, is this the right approach? Uh, And then reworking it and sharing it around again. Uh, We had some conversations with Wizards of the Coast about how they saw these books. And one of the things they really wanted is that they were going to be rules light. They didn't want us to get into the specifics of dice rolling or stats or any of that. It was was pitched at, at that level of telling a story rather than at the level of what you're doing in gameplay. And so we, but we didn't want to totally leave out things like, you know, uh, verbal somatic material components, um, the different schools of magic, all of that. But when we get into the spells, we kind of give an overview of that and position each of the spells within like, this is an evocation spell and this is a necromancy spell. But we focus more on what the spell does than on the specifics of how it would be cast. Uh, and we really don't get into things like spell slots and so on, because that was... <laughs> <laughs> I'm still confused by that, and I play quite a bit, so... 
probably for the best. Well, I uh, I normally wind up playing. Um, uh, well, my current character is a, a sorcerer, so I deal with spell slots. Oh yeah. Oh, and the lack thereof, mostly. <laughs> right. So, uh, we need to rest because I got nothing. I you know, I no spell slots left. And I you know was looking at another interview where uh, I think Jim was talking about the the desire to have spells from different levels, not just introductory spells or or cantrips that. You know, there's some spells in here that I, I think cloning and like these other like really uh, high powerful spells. And again, resurrection I think is in there. Yeah, resurrection. Um, Otto's irresistible dance, which it's just the best art ever. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> and who is the who is the specific artist who created that? If you're aware. Uh, we don't actually get information about which okay. specific artist does which piece. It's a um, art studio called Jetpack Seven. Okay. Uh, you can follow them on. Yeah, the follow them. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, they do amazing stuff. They're doing a dragon art book right now that I can't wait to get my grubby little hands awesome. on. Um, <laughs> and I tweeted out a picture uh, yeah, of it before. Them kind of a uh, a general write up of what we have in mind, and then they come back to us with magic. Yeah, yeah. Well. <laughs> Whoever, her or him, or uh, did that, that is just fantastic. So, yeah, like you said, Resurrection's in there. And, and again, I think it's tied into this idea of these spells tell a story. Like, they certainly do something, but here's a story that this spell could... Here's what it could do in the game and kind of change things. And it's just very evocative. It makes you... I, it, for me, it makes me want to play. It's like, oh, this would be great to do this in a game and, and do something like this. Again, what was sort of the process for paring down what spells made the cut? I mean, I feel like it was a it was a process of negotiation for for the three of us. You know, we we've all we've all played spellcasters. We all have the spells that we love, and at the same time, there's the stuff that feels really essential to cover. You know, there's there's some things in there that both things that are iconic within a D and D setting, and spells that feel like they're important to just sort of understanding of magic in a fantasy world. So it's getting the right balance between sort of delivering on what's iconic. Uh, to D&D, delivering on the stuff that kids are going to find really cool and exciting, and then the stuff that's like personal favorites, I think, got in there a little bit. And uh, and yeah, it was a process of which ones we were most enthusiastic to write about and, and you know, sort of trading back and forth um, and trying to, to tick all the boxes. So who was enthusiastic about Tree Stride? <laughs> That's a great question. I don't know which I think one that of us. Was Jim. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely. I mean, I think Jim did a lot of the spell write-ups. Um, I know I didn't have that many of them, so and mine were mostly lower-level ones that I did. Um, but yeah, Jim was enthusiastic about Tree Stride and never get him started on pressing digitation. He will. Talk about <laughs> Just go on and on and on and on. Yeah, about there's a, uh, about the million and one ways in which this basic cantrip can be used to do almost anything you might ever need. Anything you can imagine. And then the, the book concludes with a section on magic items with examples of more um, like storied magic items with, again, some art. Then it has yeah. uh, some legendary examples of that for... The Sun Sword, Staff of the Magi, Wand of Wonder. So were one of you sort of the lead on that section, or was that a, another gym section? 
we split a lot of that up and and that's also that was part of the negotiation as well because you know if you're doing an invisibility spell then you don't want to do an invisibility cloak you know okay, sure. sort of you know we wanted to make sure we weren't duplicating the same ideas across different sections okay so yeah there was a lot of basically the spells and the items were were looked at almost as a pool and divided between us that way. Um, so I did a lot of the the weapons and and armor stuff in in this book, um, and I think Stacy did a fair amount of the the, the clothing. Uh, I oh. generally, if there's clothing involved, I want to yeah. <laughs> go for it because I am a fashion nerd. Yeah, and I also did the, the potions because I remember I was the one who argued for the inclusion of the poison potion, which I think is really neat, and All right. we had some. We had a lot of conversations, though, about is that, again, is that going to be age appropriate? Um, I like that it starts off with a disclaimer. Not all potions are friendly. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that is a very important and, and terrible thing to learn mid-game. Right. Kind of running through this dungeon and every potion you find, you're chugging it down and it's <laughs> having all these wonderful magical effects. And then you hit one you should have checked more carefully. <laughs> that's awesome. And then the potions, rings, um, and then the cloaks at, at the end. And then, again, I, I, had, uh, I took a picture of this because I thought it was really, really interesting. Uh, so one of the last pages of the book, it has these, I think, six questions, basically encouraging players, readers, like how you could, it says, using magic to tell your own stories. And, I mean, I think of all these books, the Wizard uh, Warriors and Weapons, Monsters and Creatures, Dungeons and Tombs, and Wizards and Spells, it feels like a big sort of invitation. Come play this game. Here's why it's cool. And then mm-hmm. the end of Wizards and Spells, it asks these questions of who are your characters? Where does your story take place? When does your story happen? How do things change as the story proceeds? What should someone feel as they experience your story? Why are your heroes going on this adventure? Which, again, I know these books are geared towards like 8 to 11, I think all players of all ages could benefit from reading the, these sections and keeping this in mind as they're developing, you know, campaigns and sessions. Why was it important to end on this note? Well, I mean, we, we tried to include throughout all of the books uh, that sense of invitation. Uh, that's definitely something we wanted to be there. So I'm really glad that that came through for you. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we in a lot of a lot of times, like in the Monsters and Creatures book, there's encounters that people will have. And we would write up kind of a sample of how, what kind of encounter you might have with a unicorn and so on. And then at the end, there's um, basically the thing that says, these are all kinds of directions that the story could go in. The choice is up to you. And that was right. the idea that, that this is about the choices you're going to make with your friends in creating this world and this game. Uh, we really... I mean, that being able to like that's that's the at the core of what we want to do with the books is start to invite people in to this game that has yeah, just had such a, a profound effect on us and has brought so many great friends and memories and moments uh, into our own lives and to try and say, you know, reach out to new players and hopefully get them charged up with the possibilities for their stories. Absolutely. And it reminds me of one of the things I really enjoyed about the uh, Monsters and Creatures book. And again, I hope they sort of follow this format in future monster manuals is it organizes the Monsters and Creatures by location. But like, where would you actually find these creatures, which I think is much more useful as a 
as a player or as someone <laughs> who's designing encounters and designing adventure rather than an alphabetical list of monsters where what's on one page to the other doesn't really relate in any way. Uh, so I found that a cool framework to organize the monsters because it starts in cavern and dark places and then kind of works its way up to mountain peaks and open sky towards the end. It seems like a lot of care was put into all the, the volumes of the Young Adventurer's Guides to be logical and flow pretty easily that way. Again, I imagine so young readers could pay attention, but I definitely think there's some lessons to be learned here for all us adults to <laughs> play in the game and going through going through manuals. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you you know, you said there is the recommended reading age for these books, but we have we've both seen um, like we've had people share videos and photos with us of their kids enjoying these books. And some of them are much younger. Some of them can't read and are just really loving the pictures and and are, are, are actually reading these books and going away and telling their own stories based on what they're looking at or what they're parent or guardian is describing to them and then at the other end there are people who are much older people our age and and uh, you know up um people who who just really appreciate both the sort of the streamlined way this book delivers information um a lot of the credit for which goes to to stacy for for helping organize a lot of the, the the stuff that goes into this book um and just for i think there's a nostalgia element to it as well like as i yes. said i used to re grow up reading books of greek gods and and books of monsters and that kind of thing so for me to be able to create that sort of book for other kids to read is really rewarding but also like i don't think that ever goes away that desire to read about like dragons and and vampires you know that the stuff's always going to be cool and it seems like the the enthusiasm for the books the response that you've gotten there's there's more coming which is uh exciting and i wonder you're talking a little bit about the response that you've gotten what's been i would say either the most rewarding or surprising bit of feedback that you've either seen or, or gotten in person uh since all of these books have been released uh, so, I mean, every time somebody tweets or tags us with a photo of their kids in these books and these huge, excited grins, mm -hmm. it yeah. is just the greatest feeling in the world. Awesome. Um, for me personally, I also have, um, so I know a whole bunch of, like, librarians and so on, and a lot of them have been complaining over the last few years or coming to me with questions about Dungeons & Dragons because there's so much interest in the game with things like... Um, uh, you know, the Stranger Things show and just the general uh, permeation that D&D has been having in pop culture lately. Right. Uh, so these librarians are coming to me and they're like, I've never played this game before. I'm supposed <laughs> to, like, organize a gaming group for after school at the library and I don't have any idea where to even begin. And I've been able to give some of them these books and get the feedback from them that it's the first time they've really understood why people would want to do this, that, that they finally get what would be fun and exciting about something that previously has just been this kind of cryptid wall of uh, charts and stats and confusing rules that they can't get into. Um, and so approaching it from that, again, from that story perspective and imagination perspective helps ease them in. And it's really rewarding to see people who have always felt or, or just have never been able to see themselves in the world of Dungeons and Dragons finally make that leap and, and come join us at the table. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I will say the flip side, the worst part of this for me is I belong to a nerd trivia team. Okay. And every, every time a Dungeons and Dragons question comes up, everyone on my team turns and looks at me like, well. Well, you got I'm this. Like, I, I don't know everything. <laughs> you literally wrote the book. Like, come on, step up and answer the I question. Like four of them, apparently. <laughs> but I mean, everybody, sorry, everyone on the team has their own um, level of, sorry, everyone on the team kind of has their own approach and interest to things. Um, yeah. You know, Andrew is coming at it very much uh, from the perspective of uh, a writer um, who's using this as a, as a storytelling thing. I come to it as somebody who has been playing since I was a kid, but kind of on, uh, on and off. Uh, and I have certainly dabbled in a lot of other uh, tabletop uh, and, and, frankly, LARP um, okay. games as well. Uh, so I'm not kind of... Uh, my interest in, in, in tabletop gaming is kind of spread a little more broadly. And the gym both has that broad spread and a, an immense nerd knowledge that goes like <laughs> deep to the core of his soul. Yeah, some of the most the uh, terrifying things I've ever seen are, are watching him uh, do trivia things where it then turns into he'll be with um, – Adam Warren, who writes the Empowered comics, okay. is, writes and draws them, is also a huge D&D fan, and they are both old-school gamers. And we'll get into things where they will challenge each other to remember the name of the barkeep and a particular module. Wow. And things like it's... Uh, it's hardcore. It's to see. Yes. Yeah. So there's, but there's space for everybody's how everyone wants to approach games. Yeah. I, I think. Well, and as you were talking earlier about these books are very accessible. Like, I mean, they're, they're, they're brief. I think they're very cleanly written. It's like for a lower reading level, but even for one of my adult friends, if they were curious about Dungeons and Dragons and like, Oh yeah, I kind of want to play. I don't think I would hand them a player's manual or a player's handbook. Cause that's dense. It's more about creating a character and the rules and mechanics. I think I'd hand them, Warriors and Weapons, be like, well, this gives you an idea of sort of what it means to play. I, I think it really fills a void that was there as a, to give people an, a, a kind of quick on-ramp to what D&D is about. I think a lot of people over the years recently have discovered it through streaming, where they've yep. you know stumbled into a game and made an attachment with different characters and you know kind of found it entertaining and fun. And I think this is a a written description of here's how you could do that, mm-hmm. which, you know, I, um, in my role as a psychologist, one of, I, I have a, a colleague who's, we're starting to use D and D as a therapy format. And I've interviewed some other mental health providers who are doing the same thing. And I think for patients who have never played the game, I think one of the things that would be great is just to hand them this book and say, well, this will get you ready for, yeah. for the game rather than trying to handle a player's handbook and say, good luck. Here's 300 pages. <laughs> well, especially since what you would be doing in that is trying to use the game to explore parts yes. of their personality and so on. Um, and so having that more story focused rather than rules focused, uh, approach would make a lot of sense. So one of the things I want to, cause since I had you both here, cause I remember asking, I was, I was really excited after reading the warriors and weapons book when I spoke to Jim because I asked him about the halfling section. And he's like, yeah, I don't think I didn't write that one. That was somebody else. <laughs> because I had mentioned that after reading those pages on the, not halfling, uh, half elf, that 
it was just made me more and more fascinated about half elves. And I was like, why don't we have whole adventure modules written about them? Cause they're fascinating. Um, <laughs> so was what Andrew, was that you? I think that was Stacy. Was that Stacy again? Okay. No, I, I think that was me. Wasn't that you? Huh? <laughs> we did write these books quite a while ago. Yes. <laughs> it's all, it's all a blur. <laughs> I, I wrote about elves. Okay. But not half elves. I don't okay. think. Okay. I think I just, Maybe I just was writing as if I was you. Um, <laughs> well, because so much of the, the characters that you write in your own work deal with the same things that, uh, you know, define half-elves, which is this sense of not fully belonging in either world, mm -hmm. yeah. but having a foot in, in each one and trying to find a way to navigate that very unique, divided, but it's part of, it's, it's your whole kind of path yeah i feel i got to write that my side of that in the the tiefling entries because tieflings are my favorite race okay and and they are very much the sort of the the outcast renegade race of, of D D, and and i really enjoy that sort of romantic outsider idea i think there's a there's a lot to mine in that in that uh in that storytelling yeah and what stood out to me like i said that all these books seem like an invitation to play is that it seemed like a lot of almost devotion and care went into what's in the books. Like it, mm -hmm. it doesn't, I think it would have been easy for these books to be made kind of like, well, we'll take language from other places and we'll take art from other places and we'll sort of just cut it down and simplify it. And there's a product for, for young adults and we can sort of right. throw that out there. And this is all new content, all new art. There's a new, format for the way the information is presented it just seems clear to me that there was quite a lot of attention that went into what goes in the book and why and that certainly comes through and so just congratulations on making a great uh, product for for people well thank you yeah thanks so much like you were saying I, it's been probably years since you started this process and my sense is it's still ongoing because there's more to come uh, yes, uh, Jim tweeted about this, so I think it's officially out there. There are um, two more books that we're doing in the series. Okay. One is going to be called uh, Beasts and Behemoths, uh, and that's going to be um, kind of a companion to the uh, Creatures book, because frankly, that was probably our most popular one in the series so far, and uh, there's certainly no shortage of beasties and baddies you can talk about. Yes. Uh, and then there's one more which uh, is still totally under wraps, so I can't actually give you any hints. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So if people wanted to give you guys a, a shout-out, say thanks, or had questions about the books, like how, how can they reach you uh, on different social media, or what's, what's the best way if they have questions? Uh, well, I'm most often on Twitter at... Stacy King, S-T-A-C-Y-K-I-N-G. And yeah, I'm also on Facebook, but I don't remember what my tag there is because I don't log on very often. <laughs> um, Facebook, uh, Twitter's really the, the most reliable of my social media. So 
Yeah, same for me. I'm on Twitter at Wheeler, W-H-E-E-L-E-R. So that's uh, that's a good place for people to, to follow and find out what I'm up to. If people do have questions, of course, Jim is the, the best person to talk to because he can't stop. <laughs> he, he, he's, he's a machine. So, uh, But by all means, you know, talk to me and Stacey as well, because we, we like to be included. Uh, and I know, well, with all the, the health stuff going on, that conventions and whatnot, all gatherings are kind of being suspended. Yeah. Um, but, uh-huh. but is that something that you typically kind of show up to from time to time? Uh, I definitely do. Okay. I usually, uh, one of the things that I do is, is work as a personal assistant to Jim because he's kind of at the level where he needs somebody organizing various things around his career, like travel and conventions and so on. So I'm usually at shows where Jim is uh, running his booth. I'm not sure how that's going to pan out over the next few months. There's a lot of uh, But that means I, I am going, I'm going to a fair number of shows. Um, and I'm hoping to make Gen Con this year, assuming there is one. Um, I wasn't there last year, but it's always one of my favorite shows because it's just it's such an absolute delight. Yeah, I don't have a much planned show-wise this year. I think I'll. Well, I, my plan was to be busier next year, um, but it looks like very little is going to happen this year anyway. So next year has to be busier by by definition. But we'll see. I'd like to. Great I'd year like to, to take off. Right. right? <laughs> but uh, but if anything does come up, then I'll certainly be posting about it on on my Twitter. So excellent. Well, thank you very much for the time. Thank you again for these books. They're awesome. I've enjoyed them. Um, have kind of shared them with friends. They've enjoyed them. Their kids have enjoyed them. <laughs> My son, for as much as he can, he's, he's kind of enjoying them. He's three. So, <laughs> you know, warlock section, notwithstanding. <laughs> it was, they've really been awesome. So just congratulations on, on this work. And uh, I hope there's even more beyond the six books that, that come out or it turns into something else. So good luck. Well, if you, you so want, much. Good luck if you want that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think both of us would always love, the opportunity to do more stuff with D&D because it is oh, yes. just such a, a fantastic world to get to dive into. Yeah, Wonderful. Well, uh, have a great evening and thank you once again for your time. Yeah, thank, thank you. you.